It is Monday morning. It's June 6th. If you're catching this the day we're pumping it out anyway, uh, welcome to Real Talk. It's Jesper's in here with John Hicks, technical producer on the heels of a wonderful weekend. There's been a lot going on, not a lot of sleep in our house, and um, I'm super excited to be here and be able to tell you about our family's new edition. That's coming up a little bit later on in the show. I kind of st- I kind of stumbled in here a little bit bleary eyed, a <laughs> little bit glassy eyed, but that's nothing compared to my soulmate and life partner Carrie, who's been an absolute warrior and champion over the past few days, um, as as we have expanded the family and uh, our little guy Wyatt Rudy uh, getting set to turn seven this summer is so very excited about his new assignment as big brother, and he's that's done awesome. an amazing job over the first few days. Congratulations, Thanks, my brother. Man. Thank you. Uh, not a ton, although I'm not the one to complain because Carrie's the one that's been, that's been up as uh, as this little human figures out life. Uh, mm. The first few days, there's something absolutely incredible, something magical that you forget, even if you've been lucky enough uh, to be a parent in past, or you've been lucky enough to be around new arrivals to planet Earth. There's this. There's this. I, I mean, the first few days. Mm-hmm. Uh, are absolutely wild where like the the little one's eyes can barely focus and they're not even there with they're not even super alert and when you get these moments of of alertness and you know that they can barely focus their eyes on what they're seeing everything is new there's just it's got to be the sensory overload for the little ones uh for us i'm just sitting there and believe it or not john i don't even have the words in amazement yeah in just, absolute yeah. amazement so feeling pretty special feeling pretty blessed and 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 absolutely so lucky uh, to have a happy, healthy little one. And we're going to be sharing some details with you. I thought, you know, every Monday, Kubi Energy, our friends present positive reflections. Yeah. And we get stories and emails and tweets and Instagram uh, posts from viewers and listeners and subscribers that tell us the amazing things that have happened in your life, the, the ways that your buckets have been full and, and all that type of thing. But I thought I'd be kind of selfish this week. And I thought, what's going to be more of a positive reflection in our personal life than this new edition? And so... Yeah. As we wrap up today's show, in about an hour from now, we're going to show you a bunch of photos uh, for those of you that are watching on YouTube, and I'll tell you a couple stories for those of you that are tuned in on the podcast. This episode uh, is brought to you by our good friends at Bit. And uh, we want to remind you, while we'll never tell you what to do with your money, we'll never give you financial advice. Don't ever take financial advice from me. <laughs> I mean, I bet on an Oilers Stanley Cup win this year, so don't, don't ever take financial... <laughs> oh, too soon? Uh, but if you have questions about Bitcoin, you want to find out if it's a good move for you or if your business, maybe you're a small business owner, should your business be one of those that operate that, or that offers rather incentives for employees like, you know, part of their salary paid in Bitcoin, some new uh, initiatives along those lines? Is it a good fit for you? We recommend you ask Bitcoin well. You can find them out at the sponsors tab on our website, ryanjesperson.com. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. We're going to get right to it because there's been a lot going on across the country this weekend uh, and including in the, in, over the past week. I mean, all eyes were on Ontario, obviously Canada's most populated province, uh, a provincial election. And people were wondering what the fate of Doug Ford, Ontario's premier, would look like, uh, you know, considering some of the criticism that he had faced throughout COVID, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I don't have to tell you, uh, you're one of the politically engaged, right? You're one of the politically astute. If you're tuning into this show, 
you know what happened. Uh, an overwhelming uh, response, voters uh, essentially charging Doug Ford with a second majority, an even bigger majority government. And here's a just a quick little bit of what he had to say uh, on a very victorious election night. A new day has dawned in Ontario, a day of opportunity, a day of prosperity, and a day of growth. We're going to turn this province around so our children and their children will always be proud to call Ontario home. (laughs) We will make sure Ontario is the greatest place on earth to live, to do business, and to raise a family. And we will make Ontario once again the engine of Canada. So it's four more years for Ontario's Premier Doug Ford. Jasker and Sandu's been uh, covering this story, keeping an eye on it for sure, as one of Canada's top political organizers. Uh, he's been a successful campaigner across all levels of government, a lawyer by training. He's been a senior advisor to Brampton's Office of the Mayor. He's also served as executive director of the World Sick Organization of Canada. He's been a senior consultant at a national public affairs agency before he went on his own. Hung his own shingle, launching State Strategy, also the co-founder of Baz, a digital news outlet uh, for the global Sikh and Punjabi communities. It's always great to talk to you, and thanks for making time for us this morning, Jess Grant. How was your, how was your weekend? Mostly work for you, I would imagine. A lot going on. Yeah, it was, uh, it was exciting. What, what, what can you say, you know? It's, uh, as, uh, as Premier Ford said, we, we ushered in a, a brand new era for Ontario as it continues to lead this country. There you go. He he made a, another comment. We didn't include it in the clip, but he he said we've taken Ontario back, and that's kind of a popular thing for politicians to say. But but observers outside Ontario might go, "Hang on a second, you've been premier. What are you talking about? Who'd you take it back from? You've been premier this entire time." What was the message he was sending? I mean, what message? What was the overarching theme that you took from the results? Yeah, I think there's a couple things here to look at. Um, First and foremost, uh, you know, one one theme is just Doug Ford himself uh, and his ability to kind of evolve over four years. Now, look, there's a lot of critics uh, who would say that Doug Ford hasn't evolved at all, uh, and he's he's stayed true to who he's always been. Uh, but there has been a noticeable difference in the man uh, over the course of his first term. You know, that first year when he came into power was incredibly rough. That was probably one of the first, first, worst first years of any premier uh, that I personally have ever seen. Uh, and he did, never really enjoyed a honeymoon phase. Uh, his numbers were tanking. Uh, it didn't look too good or too hot out the gate. Uh, and then COVID hits. And for whatever reason, he kind of found his footing over COVID. Um, unlike I don't know, your, your premier over there in, in your province of Alberta, um, you know, you know it's in a way that kind of like, for example, Jason Kenny never did, right? Like Doug Ford, for whatever reason, was able to kind of go through COVID and come out of it, even with the mistakes along the way, uh, more or less intact and popular and more popular than ever uh, with the residents of, um, of the province. Uh, and that translated into a, a majority government uh, just, uh, just the past couple of days ago. And it's as much to do with Ford um, you know, performing as premier and and more or less kind of keeping Ontario stable over the course of, uh, again, that first term, as much as it has to do with the opposition just being incredibly weak. Um, you know, in the case of the Liberal Party, 
Uh, Del Duca was uh, a fairly weak leader. The campaign was very lackluster. Uh, and the case of the NDP in Horvath, you know, she hit her ceiling the last time around when they formed official opposition. They retained the title of official opposition, but they lost a lot of seats along the way. And, you know, and rightfully so, I think in the case of both leaders, they stepped down. And now we have, uh, you know, Doug Ford, the leader killer, and it's set off two leadership races uh, and the two uh, official, uh, you know, uh, two opposition parties, major opposition parties in the province. And if you ask people three years ago, they would never believe this would be the outcome. Yeah, you. I mean, people don't really want to give Doug Ford much credit, uh, to be honest. I'm, and I'm talking even even from this perspective in Western Canada, people look at it, and you alluded to it. Uh, people say Jason Kenney, for example, is he's, he's this like master, like kind of top shelf organizer. He's he's one of the, one of the, these really astute type politicians that kind of understands the game, a formidable force and. And Doug Ford's just kind of like the, oh, shucks, golly gee, kind of guy. That's the vibe he gives off. Yet, as you say, here he goes, uh, not just surviving in office, a bigger majority government, like you said, more popular now than ever, as Alberta's premier is is getting set to leave office following a resignation. So so how how did Doug Ford pull it off? Like, uh, obviously, he he credits his team. Uh, He said... He believes in his acceptance speech that he's he's got he believes the, the most talented political team uh, in political history. I think were his exact words. But but what was the strategy here? What paid off? What worked? Yeah, it's a good question. I think uh, something we're all kind of dissecting continuously here. Um, you know, first and foremost, it was a low turnout election, um, and so the votes that did show up were PC voters. They're generally speaking older. Um, but, you know, we saw it across the province that the PC vote did come out. Uh, the same can't be said about the opposition. It was a dismal turnout, one of the lowest turnouts, I think the lowest turnout in, in Ontario political history, at least in, uh, in the modern political history. Uh, and so no one was galvanized on the opposition side uh, to bring about like a change narrative. It just never happened here. Um, so you have that you have that component of this of, of this uh, conversation that we need to kind of put aside and, and just flag. Um, as far as Ford himself, he built a very interesting coalition uh, walking into this election. And that included unions, right? So a lot of the major unions in this province supported Doug Ford and endorsed him, kind of rendering the NDP, um, I don't want to say obsolete, but like it, it, it really did kind of take the floor out underneath them. It's like, you know, who is the constituency for the NDP if the unions are now backing the, the Ford government? alongside, you know, the traditional base for, for the PC party. And so part of the reason for that was that, you know, the Ford government was willing to invest in big infrastructure projects like the 413, which is a, a kind of contentious highway that's being considered here in, in the GTA, the Greater Toronto Area. You know, that's a lot of jobs. Um, as part of the 413, though, it, it also is a highway that is uh, opposed strongly by, let's say, your urban downtown elites. And uh, supported by your suburban communities, especially from where I am in Brampton, which is a logistics town and, and a transportation town. And that, that highway is actually incredibly popular here. And so like using, you know, and playing his politics, right, I think Doug Ford built a very strong coalition uh, in a way that maybe Jason Kenney wasn't able to pull off while still retaining the base. Now, mind you, Ontario is different from Alberta. And so, you know, the uh, the populations here are different. The regions here are different. It's uh, it, it is a different place, so it's not an apples and apples comparison. Uh, but even something like the truckers convoy and the freedom convoy that came into Ontario, 
Doug Ford never inserted himself into that debate. He kind of just left it to the feds, yeah. even though it passed through Ontario and it ended in Ottawa, which is still an Ontario city. Um, but he never inserted himself. So he stayed clear of kind of that, the populism. He stayed clear of kind of more controversial positioning that I think conservatives get themselves in trouble with uh, and did a good job of kind of riding the middle and being a very centrist uh, kind of leader in the government. Yeah, which probably wouldn't have been easy to do at the time for, for someone that has had, you know, populist tendencies in past. Plus, it's a strategy that works outside of Ontario's premier's office. I mean, you and I can, I'm sure, talk about the conservative leadership race. We can talk about elections that have been won around the world with this type mm-hmm. of strategy. It would have been tempting to hop in on that and gain some quick points, right, supporting that that so-called freedom convoy. I wanted to, to show a tweet from uh, political commentator Andrew Coyne, who, who posted this. It's a pie chart. We'll describe it for those that are listening on the podcast. He said that conservative election victory, the conservative election victory in full, and he shows the share of eligible voters. 57% didn't vote, 18% voted conservative. Uh, the NDP both taking about 10% and uh, other votes going uh, 5% worth to other parties. Uh, I've seen a lot of people say, well, voter turnout was was horrific. It was terrible. It was deplorable. People are upset about that. The fact of the matter is, though, everybody had an opportunity to show up. Everybody had an opportunity to vote, and they just didn't. Where was the support for the liberals and the NDP? Where was that so-called anti-Ford vote? Were people just underestimating the importance of it? People just lost interest? I mean, what's your assessment? Yeah, look, um, Ford comes out of this thing, he actually gains seats in the GTA, right? Where I am, for example. So, you know, traditionally what people associate as like liberal strongholds, um, you know, he took seats from uh, NDP strongholds as well. He took a seat in Windsor Tecumseh. So again, a, a, a home base of sorts for the NDP. You know, and how does he do this? You know, we can we can complain about low voter turnout, and mind you, I, you know, I agree. We want people um, fully participating uh, in in civic society and fully participating in, in democracy in elections. But one of the ways to express yourself over in an election in a democracy is by not showing up to the polls, right? Like it, in my eyes, that's a form of protest. Uh, and while we can kind of dismiss it as oh my God, democracy in peril, like that's not really the case. I think our democracy is incredibly robust. Uh, The issue here is that the opposition never put out anything to galvanize voters. Like one of the most memorable things that the Liberal Party did was uh, argue about reintroducing grade 13. Like it just bonkers, like stuff that just was completely missing the part, uh, missing the point uh, and, and not tapping into the sentiments that exist currently where folks are looking for change, right? Around affordability issues, around housing, which is a huge issue here uh, in the GTA as, as it is elsewhere in the country. The opposition never inserted themselves into the debate in a way that um, encouraged voters to think about them, right? And, and to encourage voters out of their homes. And so you, we can complain about apathy all we want, but if we're not doing anything to make uh, this election from a low salient one to a high salient one, you know, we can't complain. Uh, the opposition really dropped the ball here, is, is my assessment. Uh, what do you What do you think this election, uh, the results of this election, means for the rest of Canada? Uh, people in Ontario will draw their own conclusions, and obviously that's kind of how democracy works. Uh, but the rest of Canada is wondering, well, what does this mean for us? What do you think in the early stages? Yeah, you kind of alluded to this um, in the, the CPC, uh, the Conservative Party of Canada leadership, Uh you know, because uh, there's there's a bit of a a search of the soul of the party uh, amongst that race as well. Um, I think Doug Ford proves uh, to a certain extent that as a conservative government can succeed uh, and do very well by adopting a centrist approach. 
when Doug Ford started, going back to an earlier point that I made, he was um, adversarial. Uh, he was very abrasive. Uh, he was very aggressive and very populist in the kind of things that he did. Um, and what we saw over the course of that, though, was that it, it was very unpopular in places like Ontario. You just can't survive with politics like that. Uh, and over time, he softened himself considerably. And I predict that you will see over this term a very different Doug Ford, one that has come to terms with the fact that while the raw, raw populism stuff might be uh, might be great for the base uh, to win leadership races, it does not translate to victories in a general election because the general Canadian population is not the base. Uh, it's not even close to it. Uh, and there's a different expectations. Now, general Canadian population is very open to a lot of conservative arguments on housing, on, on economic policy, on, on tackling affordability issues. That stuff I think Canadian public is, is very open to. Uh, what where they where they get lost though is kind of like the cultural um, the culture of like populism and that kind of aggressiveness that turns off a lot of folks, uh, as well as positions on on, on problematic social uh, problematic standings on social issues, which just Canadians are not ready to have debates about anymore. Jasker and Sandu, our guest. Uh, let me ask you about the conservative leadership race uh, quickly. The federal one, obviously, I'm talking about. As mentioned, you're checking in from Brampton. I know you've done some work for the Brampton mayor's office. I'm not sure if that was under Mayor Patrick Brown or not. Uh, his camp uh, over the past few days uh, claiming to have sold about 150,000 new memberships to the party. You look at Pierre Polyev's camp. Jenny Byrne uh, running that show uh, says that they've sold well over 310,000, almost double. To put this into perspective for people, during the last conservative leadership race total, all candidates in, fewer than 300,000 new memberships were sold. So the Polyev camp uh, obviously running away with the membership sales here. Do uh, you think Patrick Brown, do you think Jean Charest, does anybody else have a fighting chance, or, or, or is this one all said and done, wrap it up with a bow, this is Pierre Polyev's race to lose? Okay, well, first off, full disclosure, I'm I'm supportive of Patrick Brown's bid. I wondered for, if you uh, might leadership. be. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as a, as a Brampton boy, you know, it's, it's only right that I support my local mayor and, and, and Patrick Brown. Uh, so you can take everything I say with a grain of salt. Sure. Um, no, we but, like but, full but, disclosure. I, That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll, I'll be careful on this one. Um, look, uh, what I can say is on, on the Patrick Brown campaign, yeah, you know, you, you sell the 150,000 memberships. Um, that membership is coming from communities that the Conservative Party needs to win over if it doesn't want any chance of winning government. Um, and that, that membership was driven uh, by communities that have been ignored uh, by the Conservative Party or have felt ignored by the Conservative Party, communities like the one I belong to uh, and others. Uh, and so I think at the end of the day, what, what Patrick Brown has brought to the table as leader is exactly what the Conservative Party has been missing, uh, to sign up 150,000 members uh, from, from communities coast to coast uh, that are, again, uh, often just cast aside uh, as an incredibly impressive feat. It's historic. Um, now, Pierre Polyev is claiming that, you know, he sold over 300,000. So it's very tough to verify any of this. Um, now, if, if their camp is confident with that, then their camp is confident with that. And, and it is what it is. And we'll see what the kind of numbers come out from the Conservative Party when they release uh, uh, their, their data of the total membership sales sold. And people can work the math and work backwards from there as they need. Um, but I, I think you do have, kind of going back to the point of what we were talking about, Doug Ford, um, you know, something for conservative uh, voters or conservative members to consider is, you know, which one of uh, the leadership candidates standing in front of them right now uh, most uh, probably mimics or are most similar to Doug Ford's um, 
change in, in persona over time. Uh, and Doug Ford is also, you know, to his credit, someone from suburban GTA, uh, understands suburban GTA very well and has done a decent job of creating connections and networks with uh, communities that uh, often do not vote for, for the PC party and conservatives. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll let your I'll let your viewers, uh, you know, connect the dots as they wish. Yeah. Can you can you see a world, you know, three, four years from now where Doug Ford is leader of the federal conservatives and gives whoever the leader of the federal liberals is a run for their money? And I mean, is Doug Ford ultimately maybe Canada's next prime minister? You know, if you if you ask Doug Ford, like off the record, you probably say, yeah, Mm -hmm. Um, I think uh, Doug Ford's aspirations are far greater than premier. Um, You know, and I think he he believes and and, and to his credit, you know, like this last election to a certain extent proves that he he's uh, achieved success provincially uh, and that he is now probably the most powerful or influential conservative politician in this country, Um, especially so with the fall of Jason Kenney. Uh, and, and, you know, a vacancy at the conservative federal level uh, as of now. Uh, so Doug Ford, you know, watch out. You know, if, if he keeps this up, uh, there is a future where he will compete uh, for uh, leadership of the Conservative Party of Canada. Uh, and, uh, you know, people seen it firsthand here in Ontario when he won the leadership here. Uh, he can pull. Uh, and there, he has a, a very strong, loyal base that will come out for him. Uh, Jasper, and I know you've got a bolt. So do I. But I want to ask you, as mentioned in your introduction, uh, I reminded people that you've served in past as executive director of the World Sick Organization of Canada. And June uh, is a very significant month uh, for, for a sick diaspora around the world. I mean, people look back to June 1984. I saw that you tweeted about it this morning, and, and I suspect it may be flying under the radar of many Canadians. I wanted to take this opportunity to, to just remind us all, to give you an opportunity to remind us of why June 1984 is so significant and where you'd like people's heads to be at through this month. Yeah, you know, a lot of Sikhs uh, who reside in Canada today um, actually uh, fled genocidal violence uh, from India uh, and long-standing persecution that continued afterwards well into the 90s um, as a result of events that happened uh, the first week of June uh, in '84, so a little over 35 years ago now, um, when the uh, the Indian government actually attacked um, the Darbar Sahib complex, or what is most you know commonly known as the Golden Temple. Uh, so this is the center of the Sikh faith. So think you know think the Vatican, uh, think uh, Mecca. You know uh, that's essentially what this is for Sikhs, uh, where they uh, the Indian uh, army uh, shelled and, and attacked. Um, uh, this place of worship during a very busy religious uh, time, a very bu- busy day on the religious calendar. Uh, so there was countless uh, innocents killed. Uh, six did defend themselves and 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 amidst that attack and and caused significant casualties and damages to the Indian army as a result. Uh, but what this kicked off would be then the genocide of the Sikh people, mm. uh, which uh, you know the people are continuing to kind of deal with. There's there's still a lot of long-standing issues, um, and so I think for Canadians to Kind of understand and appreciate here is that this is not something that happened far far away um and like this this persecution and violence is a reason why a lot of their sick neighbors call canada home today and um and continue to care about the politics and, and what happens uh, back home in, in punjab and in south asia Jaskarin Sandhu, uh, co-founder of Baz, the digital news outlet, uh, former executive director of the World Sick Organization of Canada, longtime political organizer. Thanks for making time for us this morning. It's great to have you on the show. 
Thank you for having me again. Yeah, you bet. We're going to take a look at this, the Ontario election result, the bigger picture conservative leadership race, what's happening in Canada uh, with Charles Adler, the titan of talk coming up in just a couple of minutes. You're going to go, hang on a second. Adler was on last week. He's supposed to be on biweekly. Oh, yeah, we got to clarify that, too, as well. Charles and I had a quick talk over the weekend. We said, what are we we doing here, this biweekly? What the hell is up with this biweekly business? Every day. Let's do it. Let's get him on every single day. Before we get to Charles, we're going to pay a couple of bills. I want to remind you uh, how excited we are to partner with Friesen Brothers. Uh, Friesen Brothers has been supporting this show since inception. Was there over the weekend doing a bit of a shop? I went in, uh, Carrie always says to me, go in and pick up a basket. Don't take a cart, pick up a basket because I need to be limited in my purchases. Yeah. I was not limited. I started with the basket. I transitioned to the cart. And by the time they had our groceries bagged with their friendly checkout staff, actually left with two carts. And I was thinking, you know, but there were some big, there were some big items. Like, like, for example, like 18 rolls of paper towel. It takes up a lot of space. It almost had its own cart. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I was thinking, why didn't I do this on the 1st of June? The 1st of June, it would have been 15% off this tab. Any grocery purchase over $75. Of course, we were in labor and delivery, so it didn't work on the 1st. But it's always great to get out to Friesen Brothers. There's 16 of them, locations across the province of Alberta. For more than 65 years, Alberta-grown, Alberta-owned. Athabasca University is Canada's online university. Is all this talk about elections and strategy and political organizing floating your boat? Do you maybe have a career in the field of political science? What about sociology? What about understanding why people vote the way they vote or why they don't? Athabasca University has a program, a perfect fit for you regardless of your area of study regardless of where you want to take your career hundreds and hundreds of options you can browse it today figure out how the enrollment works how it's structured you can learn at your own pace at athabascau.ca infinity healthcare is in the business of reliable trustworthy personalized home care and they know that there are thousands of families across the province right now that have loved ones that require home care services But there are factors at play. Maybe there's a language barrier. Maybe there are cultural or religious sensitivities. The team at Infinity Healthcare works on a personality matching program. It's a a structure that allows them to make sure that there's a perfect pairing with the family, the person receiving the home care, and that healthcare provider. It also means they're always hiring. You can learn more about maybe a new career opportunity for you as a healthcare aide or a licensed practical nurse at infinity-8.com. CA. And a shout out to our friends at Eden Landscaping. I was mowing our lawn over the weekend and I almost found myself muttering like I'm talking trash to the lawn now. (laughs) It looks so bad. I can't wait to get rid of it. I want to get Mike and his team in there with like a bobcat and just rip up that grass. You got two dogs that are 80 pounds. Your grass is it's destined to look lousy, right? So full disclosure, we're talking to Mike and the team at Eden, and they're coming up with some great solutions for us on a really neat fire pit area, a kid's play area. It's going to be custom designed to fit what our family needs. Might be a different fit than what you're looking for as you bring your outdoor space to life. They've got so much experience. Their projects have a ton of diversity. You can check out their different angles, modern, traditional, classic, even their urban front yard butterfly approach. That's a new one at Landscape Edmonton. 
Well, Charles Adler has been has slated uh, to join us every second Monday for the past while. And uh, why don't we just bring him in now, John? I'll throw to that Doug Ford clip again in just a second. But but Chuck and I were talking over the weekend. And of course, because you, you've been not just a mentor to me, but also a, an amazing friend, you, you reached out and you wanted to know about Baby J. And uh, and we're not yet revealing the details, Charles. We're going to do that in about half an hour, although people that follow me on Instagram already know all the details. But you reached out to me and you said, hey, well, listen, if you want to chat tomorrow. And I said, what are we doing, Charles, with this biweekly business? Everybody's eager to hear your take on the show. And so we have a bit of an announcement to make uh, today. Uh, we're going to turn this into a weekly thing. So you and I on the first broadcast of every single week, we're going to hang out. And I'm really looking forward to a, a weekly dose of Canadian common sense. Well, you said, you know, you said to me, do you mind if I reveal what you said to me on the text about the, this whole bi-weekly, weekly thing? Yeah, no, you can say whatever you like. Okay, so I, I, I hope so, I didn't say anything. Okay, yeah, I think, I think you're no, good. You, yeah, told, okay. you, you know, it's nothing salacious. You know, you, you simply said the reason you were talking to me about bi-weekly is you didn't want me, you didn't want to get in the way of all the other things that I'm, I'm doing, right? And I just I just said to you, look, here, here's the deal. Uh, being on with you makes me happy. Yeah. It makes my family happy. It makes my, my puppies happy. It uh, makes everyone happy. So, I mean, I, I've never seen, I'll, I'll qualify this a little bit. When I'm doing the kind of communications I like to do, which is what we're doing right now, I definitely do not see it as work. Okay. Mm -hmm. It makes me younger. I get younger every time I'm on with you. So there's just no way I can turn it down. Now, here, here's the thing. Uh, you were talking about shopping a few moments ago. Yeah. And we all support mom and pops and mom and pops support Ryan Jesperson over the years. They supported me as well. So we love the mom and pops. I was at a non-mom and pop the other day looking for some moisturizer, okay? And uh, I was told to get this moisturizer. Um, I think it's called, uh, I think it's pronounced Serav. I just, I just think of it as Crave with an E, with, you know, with, with an e, uh, at the beginning. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I, I, was, I was looking for this, this moisturizer. And so I'm at uh, the superstore, and they're affiliated with shoppers and all that kind of stuff. So I'm asking the clerk. At, in the in the pharmacy area, I was asking her for this this moisturizer, Sarav. I, I said I think it's pronounced Sarav. She said, yeah, it's pronounced Sarav, and uh, it's uh, right over there. But he, she says to me, you can get it at Costco for ten dollars cheaper. Yeah, I'm thinking, holy cow! I mean, I was brought up on mom and pops. I support mom and pops. I realize the superstore is not a mom and pop, but I'm thinking, you know, she must, you know, she must be a member of a, a pretty tough union because <laughs> in any mom and pop that I've worked in or been affiliated with, uh, you know, a, a clerk says, you know, well, you can, you can get the same product somewhere else, you know, the competition, whatever, you know, that, that'd be their last day. So <laughs> I just want to ask you what, what you, what you thought about that. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I mean, on one hand, I, I can understand, like, I think was it, I'm, I'm trying to think of the classic. Is it, uh, is it miracle on 34th street? What is the one where, where, where the, uh, the, the staff member at, at, at the department store is saying, you know, you can get the, you can get yeah. these toys a little bit cheaper across the street. And I'm, you're, you're watching it. You're like, it's wonderful. Yeah. And it's amazing. They're doing that. But from a job security standpoint, maybe not the greatest. Hey, listen, uh, this show's moving fast. And, and it's also the 78th anniversary of D day. And we're going to be talking to author Don Levers in just a minute. So, so this is going to be a bit of a quicker touchdown chuck than we're yeah, used and, to and, I, and, I, and i've got to be quick too because i'm being picked up in a few minutes 
a friend of mine, we're, we're going to Costco for some moisturizer. Because it's $10 off, uh, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. so uh, people are learning more about Charles Adler's grooming habits uh, this morning than they have in the last 40 years. Hey, in all seriousness, uh, to use the segue of job security, Doug Ford's got it in spades yeah. after an even bigger majority government, Ontario voters, whether they didn't show up or whether uh, they did show up when they needed to, if you're a Ford supporter, what's your angle of approach on assessing this second mandate for Ontario's premier. Well, could he have been more fortunate with the competition? I mean, I, I just look at the the three choice. And, you know, there was the turnout was just a horrible, second lowest ever. Uh, Ford's uh, party, uh, the, the uh, PCs in, in Ontario, ended up getting a little more than one out of every six eligible voters because only forty three percent voted. So, you know, this is hardly a I I, I I I get it. We're first past the post. He's got a large majority, larger than last time. I, I mean, I get all that stuff that they, they talk about on those on those sort of cable news panels. But I, I just want to, you know, just shoot straight with you, as we always do, and, and do Canadian common sense. I mean, when the three choices are basically uh, like, like, like choosing between runny spaghetti, uh, like, uh, you know, a greasy burger, um, the pizza that even the lab animals that would be the rodents won't eat i mean what would you do what would you do those are your three choices well i mean i'll take greasy burger every time but i don't know okay. if it works with your metaphor i mean that's just i mean it's, it's all i can think about right now thanks a lot anyway i just i, I just think we're, we're in a situation where none of the choices were, were very good yeah. and that's one of the major reasons why the overwhelming majority of people didn't even turn up what do you i say don't think that's wonderful for democracy so I, I'm not I'm not sitting here, you know, with the cheerleading and the pom poms for Doug Ford. By the way, you were talking earlier about Doug Ford being prime minister. I mean, Ryan, I don't mean to, you know, uh, crap in your grapes, but for crying out loud, he doesn't he he can't say we. Okay, he doesn't speak any French. I, I realize, you know, what yeah, you're, but what Chuck, you're sitting at my. People have underestimated him the entire way. People have thought he's a joke. I mean, people people thought. I mean, People had their own opinions about his brother, Rob. And and then yeah. when Doug kind of succeeded him with regards to political prominence in Canada, people kind of thought he was like the goofier option. And yet yeah. here he is. I mean, pretty big win. So, I mean, what do you say to that? He's been underestimated the entire time. Well, it's just, it's just that, you know, I'm from Montreal and I can't pretend that I don't know what I do know. And in, in Quebec, if you speak really poor French, you know, during a, a general election campaign, if you speak really poor French, uh, you get no credit. Uh, I mean, I, hey, listen, I mean, if in the next three years uh, he can um, advance his French to the point where he's a, a credible national candidate in La Belle Provence, uh, you know, hats off to him. Yeah. But I just I, I don't see that. I don't see that happening. And, you know, I remember I mean, the, when I first started supporting the PCs, it was under Bill Davis. OK, Bill Davis was premier of Ontario. And everyone thought that because Bill Davis was like the. Uh, preeminent uh, conservative, certainly in, in central Canada, that uh, he'd be a, a shoe in for the national Tories as a prime minister. But Bill, Bill Davis's French was, well, a lot better than Doug Ford's, but still not good enough. Let me ask you this in closing. And, and of course, you and I will have a chance to catch up again seven days from now. But, but there's a lot of people sort of lamenting low voter turnout. A lot of people are pissed off. Some people in our live chat are even talking about mandatory voting. I know people look yeah. at, at Australia. And this is a conversation that comes up again and again. Typically, um, and, and I'm not trying to 
sort of inflame anybody here, but it's typically when an election doesn't work out the way that you wanted it to work out. You start talking about mandatory voting and low voter turnout and that type of thing. What's your assessment to that? I mean, how do you process really, really low numbers like we see in Ontario? Well, here, here's the problem. When you have really low numbers, regardless of what goes on the next uh, couple of years, people say, well, I didn't vote. I didn't vote for him. I didn't vote for him. And we're always talking about accountability. You know, we want the politicians to be accountable to us. Hey, this is a democracy. OK, this is all about the politicians representing us. But this is all about self-government. It's our government. It's our province. It's our country. So if you're asking me straight up, would you be for mandatory voting? I would say yes because I want the voters to be accountable as well. Now, there's no, I mean, before the Pierre Polyev crowd runs in with, you're a dictator and freedom, freedom, uh, uh, you know, gatekeeper, just put all that stuff on, on hold, simmer down. Mandatory voting doesn't mean you have to vote for anybody in particular. Yeah, You can go into the polling station, it'll take you a few minutes to get there, uh, and you can withhold your ballot. You know, you can you can say I, I I don't like any of the above, so I'm not going to I'm not going to vote. You can also spoil your ballot. So for for the people who scream dictator, dictator, nobody is forcing you to vote for anyone in particular. They are forcing you, I guess, if you want to use force to participate in the process. What would be wrong with it, whether it's Alberta or Canada? What would be wrong, Ryan, with 98 or 99 percent of people participating? Well, what's wrong with that? Well, I mean, I just, you know, my concern, I guess, and and I feel like, okay, full disclosure on this one, Chuck, is I feel like, honestly, I could argue both sides of it. Uh, you know, you could you could assign me a debate position and I could take that position. But but I fear that if you force people, so to speak, if there's consequences, if you don't show up and vote, but you're disinterested. And the only thing that's drawing you there is a sense of obligation or a very real obligation. Then then ultimately, we better be careful what we ask for. Right. I don't want to say yeah. these people, but there's a portion <laughs> of the electorate that doesn't give a damn about policy, about vision, about that type of thing. And they show up and I and, and I, I worry about what the end result might be but th- these are all hypotheticals right okay but by the way I, I one of the reasons i admire your your skill set you can argue both sides you can argue both sides and you can argue all kinds of other sides you could argue 10 sides of this and i i might be able to argue two or three myself sure. but i'm i'm simply saying that we don't have voters who are accountable right now uh indifference is not good for democracy i think if more people participated there's a very very good chance we might get better leaders would we get some 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 funky people leading some funky parties? And might that get interesting? Yeah, I, I guess. But I, I I honestly think that more people participating more is better. And yes, there's a part of me that feels probably because of what this country did for for my family. You know, they allowed us into the country, uh, and uh, they allowed us to have opportunity. And who the hell were we? We had no power. We had no influence. We were just three little. Hungarian refugees. Okay, I was really little. I was I was two and a half. I was uh, I was even smaller uh, than 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 your seven year old. But the the deal is that I have always felt obligated to vote, no matter how crummy the choices were. You know, I'm not crazy about the the, the greasy burgers. I wouldn't have the greasy burger or the the stuff that the rats won't eat. Okay, I wouldn't have either of them in in you know in, in real life at the dinner table. But in in real life politics, I feel obligated to vote for somebody Hmm. and um, that's the position i'm going to take tonight and i may change my mind tomorrow charles adler they call him the titan of talk for a reason we're excited to be welcoming you here every monday charles uh a new tradition here on the show thanks for making time for us this morning have a great week
congrats on the baby and of course congrats to your wonderful wife and the baby thank you and, and you thank- and you by the way yeah you, yeah yeah and me too yeah, yeah but I'm, 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 i don't have any i don't have any this i mean i don't want to turn this into the young and the restless but <laughs> i don't have any dna evidence uh, that you're you that, that you didn't sire this child. <laughs> i'm gonna just thank you for that you know, make, make 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 the assumption that that but you're the dad. I, I will say that uh, that of everybody uh, that played a major role over the past week here, I played the least. Uh, <laughs> but but it was an honor to be part of the supporting cast, and we couldn't be more excited. Thank you, my man. Appreciate. I it. hope every I hope every child in this country has a father like Ryan Jeffers. Oh, a kind, a great, a uncle. kind man with kind words. That's Charles Adler. You can catch him again. Uh, the first show of every week here. We're really excited about that. Don Levers in 60 seconds or less. I wanted to tell you a quick little story over the weekend. My next door neighbor, Chad, he sends me a text and he says, who do I talk to at St. Albert Dodge? And I said, what's up? And he goes, well, our rig just died and they got a family camping trip coming up. This was like Thursday. He texts me. So I, I tell him, well, Go see Brad McCory. He's the GM there. I said, you tell him that Jespo sent you. Four hours later, John, four hours later, he's in a whip. A new Ram crew cab, all blacked out, looks so sexy. It's called the Red Edition. Pulls up outside our house. I text Chad back. I said, is that yours? (laughs) He just writes back, LOL. Yep. That's how they do it at St. Albert Dodge. They'll find you the perfect fit on short notice. You can check them out online, browse their in uh, their inventory, Sherwood Dodge as well. The two dealerships, of course, owned by the same group, which means they can share their inventory and find you that perfect fit just in time for your family getaways. Chad's family's never looked so good pulling away their new holiday trailer, their new Dodge Ram. Fantastic stuff. <laughs> Speaking of power, along different lines, we're really proud to partner with Park Power, your friendly local utilities provider. Today's a great day to compare rates. You're taking a look at interest rates on the rise. You know that family household expenses are going up, like it or not. Uh, Electricity, natural gas, and internet is where you can compare your rates today at Park Power. Pay a little bit less, especially if you bundle your utilities together. And don't forget the promo code 2022-REALTALK gets you $70 off your first bill from Park Power. No joke there. 2022-REALTALK at parkpower.ca. Well, you know, June 6th uh, is a huge day, of course, when you take a look at our nation's history and the work that Canadian soldiers did. I mean, 156,000 Canadian, American, and British troops uh, storming five beaches. Uh, The Battle of Normandy back on June 6, 1944. Today, the 78th anniversary of D-Day. And it's always a pleasure to connect with our next guest. Don Levers is the son of of one of uh, the Canadian World War II veterans who landed on Juneau Beach back on June 6, 1944. He's the author of Our Father's Footsteps, a book that he wrote in tribute to his dad and other ordinary Canadians who volunteered to serve their country. Don, I know everybody wants to talk to you today, and we're grateful that you've made time for us on the show. Welcome to Real Talk. Thanks very much for having me, Ryan, and congratulations on the new member of your family. Hey, thank you very uh, much. It's uh, pretty tough to follow Charles Adler, great interview. Um, and also it's kind of fitting that you had the talking about the Canadian election uh, in Ontario because that's what they fought for. And uh, so that we could actually go and have elections and, and uh, participate in that. 
Don, you know, there's going to be, we talk about this as the 78th anniversary of D-Day, which means that the majority of Canadians obviously don't have first-hand recollection or first-hand memory of the significance of June 6th, 1944. But of course, it's widely regarded as that turning point uh, that led uh, to the defeat of uh, the Axis Force of the Germans, essentially, uh, and ultimately victory in World War II. What was so significant, or where does your mind go today? What was so significant about D-Day? Just the fact that, especially for Canadians, they were all volunteers. As my dad said in a radio interview, they they went in standing up uh, like soldiers who had been through battle for years, and uh, they did Canada proud. And to walk the beaches as I did in 2019 was an experience much more emotional than I ever would have thought because my dad was fortunate to survive. And the men in my book uh, are all fortunate to have survived and that they came home and lived ordinary average lives. Don, this is uh, when you take a look at at, uh, Canada today and when you take a look at uh, Canada's involvement militarily and otherwise around the world, when you take a look at the average Canadian's understanding of our history, how would you assess uh, the level or the depth of understanding uh, of D-Day on a day like today? Do you you consider it maybe even a bit of a, a bit of a calling or a bit of your mission to ensure that more and more people understand why it was so important, not just to Canada, but to the global community? When they went in, they managed to, when they started on June 6th, it was the beginning of the end. And it didn't happen for quite some time. And it took another, took till May of uh, uh, 1945. So it took a long time to get there. But I think we should all be so proud of the job that they did. And one of the goals in writing my book was to encourage young people to get a sense of what their parents, their grandparents and their in our case, and and now in your case, great-grandparents did on that day. And uh, so that for them to learn more about what they did throughout the war, get their uh, military records to find out exactly how much they contributed and how lucky we are that they actually survived their what-if moments. Because uh, there was a man that was killed uh, just off the beach as my dad landed. And he never got the opportunity to uh, have a family. My dad was wounded. If he hadn't survived, I wouldn't be having this conversation with you today. How did authoring this book, Our Father's Footsteps, and, and we're going to let people know in just a little bit where they can buy the book. I know you're going to be doing a, a, a signing in person in, in the next little bit, but but how did going through the the exercise of writing this, of telling about the what-if moments, as you put it, of, of these four soldiers who landed on those beaches, how did it shape or, or, or how did your understanding, your perception of the significance of D-Day evolve as you put this book together? As I put it together, and it was actually from one of your shows in a, in a previous life that I got a letter from a, a, a note from a woman here in Edmonton that gave me 150 letters that her dad had written home during the war. Wow. And uh, so using, that's what I used. And by the time I'd finished writing about the four men, I felt that I got to know them, that I, I would have sat down and, as you would say, have a beer with them and, and uh, been able to uh, just sit around a campfire and, and exchange stories and, and listen to them for hours. And so that was really important in, in getting their voices because I actually gave the, the character, the, the men voices and uh, because I didn't have the opportunity to interview them uh, 
alive. And, and I took their records from uh, letters, journals, the regimental war diaries is how I wrote their story. So by the time I finished, like I said, it, it would be like sitting down and have a conversation with you and Charles Adler. Hmm. Uh, you were asked to make a presentation, weren't you, to the uh, the Royal Canadian Military Institute, uh, based obviously largely on, on uh, the historical research that you've been doing and, of course, the creative work that you've been doing in, in resurrecting these stories and, and infusing new life into them and helping the average Canadian understand the significance of, of our country's involvement in D-Day. What, what was that like for you to speak at the Royal Canadian Military Institute? And what was kind of one of the key messages that, that you wanted to deliver there? I actually haven't had it yet. It's oh, it's coming July up in the, July. July the 13th. I thought it was last July. No, Sorry, Don. No, this July. And oh, so, wow. I mean, I, I'm thrilled to do that. And, and uh, it, it's kind of giving me the fact that uh, maybe what I've uh, written is, is worthwhile. And, and I must thank you, by the way, because... You're actually on the back cover of my book, uh, because when we talked at, um, at, in November for November the 11th, you said that uh, while I was there with you and, and Ted Barris, one of the most passionate storytellers I've known in my career. Hmm. That's actually right on the back of the book. So uh, thank you for that. Uh, I, I appreciated that. It was it meant a lot to me. Well, I didn't know that. Uh, and I appreciate that. And, and obviously, probably a big source of that passion for you, I'm, I'm stating the obvious here, was was your father's involvement in the personal family connection. But there's going to be millions of Canadians that, that may not have a personal connection to this, uh, but still recognize that this is a huge part of our country's history and an important one to focus on. As we fast forward to modern day and we look at the involvement of, of men and women um, serving their country, uh, both here on Canadian soil and, and around the world, how do you assess the, di- how do you assess the difference uh, in generational perspective? W- was there, was there a, a different wiring uh, in a way of, of young people back in the 1940s? Or, or do you see uh, something similar in the young people of, of today? I would imagine this exercise has to shape your perspective. When you see what's happening in Ukraine right now, and you realize that uh, the president's great-grandfather was one of four brothers, three of whom were killed by the Germans, and his grandfather survived, it's, uh, and he wouldn't have been running... Ukraine, if his grand great is if his grandfather had been one of those uh, uh, that were killed, so and and what I see happening in Ukraine now is the same kind of pride in their country, uh, and and defending it the way we did in Canada. Wow, what an amazing perspective, Jack. Hey, how cool is this, Don? Uh, can you can you hold the book up again? I've got uh, a viewer here watching us live. Uh, on YouTube, it's Shirley who says, my father-in-law's picture is on the cover of Dawn's book. She says, Morley Douglas from the Winnipeg Rifles. She says, I just bought the book. What can you tell us about that powerful image right there? That is a uh, picture of the Winnipeg Rifles landing on um, D-Day. It was, uh, I just recently, I've been trying to find out, there's a picture of a uh, Indigenous soldier in the back. I've never been able to figure out who he was. Uh, the gentleman right here, uh, I got a note saying that he was, uh, I got a note from a man saying that was his uncle, then he was wounded 10 minutes, 10 minutes after landing on D-Day. And shortly after that, I uh, found out that this, uh, the guy in the beret was the company doctor. So, and the, the statue there is a picture of, is, is a statue that is uh, of an old veteran after, uh, that was made for the 75th anniversary 
looking across a field at the uh, at his comrades coming out of the water and his memories are fading and that's what i hope to do is is for these memories to pique somebody's interest in, in finding out more about their family's involvement and just how lucky we all are to be here hang on a second so do do you know shirley douglas or no no i don't i'd love to i'd love to meet her so a person watching this show live has just seen the cover book authored by you that features their father-in-law on the cover, and the two of you were not connected before this moment on Real Talk. This is amazing. Um, I'm going to ask Shirley to send us a quick email to talk at ryanjesperson.com, and, and it would be an honor for me to connect the two of you. Does that sound all right, Don? Absolutely. And as you mentioned, I've got a couple of signings coming up uh, this uh, next Saturday, just in time for Father's Day. I'm doing it at one of your favorite stores, the Friesen Brothers in uh, Fort Saskatchewan. And uh, if she's out and about and wants me to sign the book, I'd love to do it. I love it. Okay, so that's June 11th from noon till 4 Mountain Time. Obviously, you're going to be at the Friesen Brothers in Fort Saskatchewan signing copies of Our Father's Footsteps. People can also yeah. find it uh, at the bookstore on Perron in St. Albert at Daisy Chain Books uh, downtown Edmonton. Also at Audrey's Books, my favorite store. You can find it on Amazon as well if those other options don't work for you. Don, I promised I'd have you out right now because CJOB in Winnipeg needs to talk to you, and that's a hard start. They're doing it live. Thank you and much respect for the work that you've been doing, helping us remember the significance of this day, Don. Thanks very much for having me. I, I appreciate the opportunity. And uh, I will be at your favorite bookstore on July the 2nd, uh, doing a signing there as well. So uh, thanks very much for and, and taking the time to talk to me today. It's always a pleasure, my man. I'm proud to call you a friend. That's author Don Levers. You can check out donleversbooks.com if you want to learn more about Our Father's Footsteps. Can we just take a second? I just want that's never lost on me how cool it is that uh, this show can bring people together. Like Don, like how many photos are there? How many images could Don have used on the cover of his book? What are the chances that that, you know, Shirley uh, maybe had something going on this morning and wouldn't have tuned into the show or that mm -hmm. wouldn't have seen the photo or wouldn't. Have, you know what I mean? The show never ceases to amaze me. That was, that was an awesome moment. So right cool, there. and I never want to forget that stuff. It's what we do. It's what we endeavor to do. I'm sort of processing this in real time, but we endeavor to connect people every single day, and it's such an honor to have Shirley tuning in. She says, I do have a story about that photo. She says, I'll share it with Don personally. Love nice. it. Well, whether you're Shirley or someone else, you can get in touch with us uh, to talk at ryanjesperson.com. That's where you can send us your positive reflections, what's filled your bucket, a random act of kindness you experienced. Or maybe if you're pissed off, it could be your trash talk to be read on Friday. You never know. <laughs> Presented by Local Environmental. Talk at ryanjesperson.com is our e email address, of course. Speaking of Local Environmental, I want to remind you, if, if you're a mover and shaker in your community, if you're looking at putting together a music festival or a children's festival or a street performers festival or whatever, if it's in Alberta or Saskatchewan, keep it local with local environmental services. They provide portable toilets, fencing, vacuum truck and water hauling services. Plus, of course, for everybody doing renovations, spring cleaning, a lot of roofing jobs happening around our place right now. You need those roll off bins, the big 40 footers, the front load bins, whatever. Local Environmental Services is family-owned, and they love to compete for your business. You can find them online today at localenvironmental.ca. Also wanted to remind you how proud we are. I mean, there's no sponsorship. There's no partnership that gets any cooler, no pun intended, than one with the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton. <laughs> 
and Sherwood Park. I couldn't help myself. I just kind of stumbled into that one. That wasn't. Uh, I'm not even sure these people are paying me. I think you just I, love talking about Dairy Queen. I just, I just, I found an excuse <laughs> to talk about the, the, you know, the, the like Oreo, the the uh, mud pie blizzard and the cherry. I mean, jeez, I, I get so carried away. The drumstick blizzard with peanuts. That's the one I had the other day. The girl guide blizzard, which is just the. Um, Basically, the Girl Guide cookie all smashed up and oh ma- just mixed in with their signature soft serve. <laughs> you know, still every single time, and I love this, they do it every single time you go to pick up your Blizzard. They give you that, hold the it upside, upside down, down yeah. and then hand it to I love that they're still committed to that. Yeah. You think there's ever been a disaster? I I want to hear the story. I want yeah. to hear whose lap it dropped into. In we'll there. endeavor to find the one DQ. And play. It would not be at one of our partners. It would be at some Dairy Queen that didn't have the temperature set right on the soft serve. But <laughs> you'd hate to be the one that just dumped it right on the customer's lap. It doesn't happen. They're so confident in the quality of these blizzards that the Dairy Queens in Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road. Don't worry about it. I should also mention that uh, the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton, Sherwood Park, are going to be there represented strongly at the Real Talk Golf Classic. Getting close. Coming up Thursday, June 23rd. Going to be awesome. Dilly Bar Shooters. I just... Carrie says to me yesterday, what's a dil- what, she goes, what goes into a Dilly Bar Shooter? I've been imagining it for two weeks now. i got to know. I said, well, you, you, you've had the little one, babe, so now you can show up to the golf tournament. Come have a Dilly Bar Shooter. Find out. Finally. Go to RyanJesperson.com under the events link if you want to sign up for that. Don mentioned Father's Day coming up. What a perfect Father's Day gift, by the way. Send Dad and a few pals out or get the family together and come join us on the golf course. Go to RyanJesperson.com, click on Events, Real Talk Golf Classic, and there you have it, the sign-up link. Don't miss it. Thursday, June 23rd at the Ranch, a 2.15 p.m. shotgun start. I should also mention on our website, we've got the new question of the week up. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to have a fun one here. You know, there's a lot of serious stuff that we cover on the show, and for, and for obvious reasons, it's it's our mandate and we want to make sure that we're covering the stories that matter, that we're giving attention, uh, that these stories demand, that we're helping uh, not just ourselves, but you, our audience, that as we gather here together, better understand the issues that affect us on a daily basis. But sometimes it, it, it's heavy lifting. And every once in a while, we need something just on the lighter side of life. And our friends at Y Station, our research and strategy partners, every week present our Get Real Question of the Week. You can access it under the Connect link on our website. And how about this one? Over the last few weeks, people have been packing into theaters uh, in relatively large numbers compared to most points through the pandemic. But we're not going to talk about that so much as we just want to see how you're feeling about summer movies. How are you feeling about heading into movie theaters? Other summer activities as well. All of it in general. Just all of it in general. And just sort of put our finger on the pulse. Where are you at, Real Talkers? Mm -hmm. You know, we've had these sort of pandemic-themed questions of the week throughout. And it gives us some insight into... I guess the evolution of how you're feeling. And I know that some of you, I guarantee it. And thanks in advance for completing these. Some of you are going to be going, there is no way in hell I'm going into a movie theater right now. <laughs> and others of you are going to go, I've already seen nine movies in the theater since they opened. I have not. No. You? Uh, yeah, I went to one uh, a while ago with the little man. And, and actually, we had kind of a unique uh, the time of day, whatever it was, there just weren't a lot of people. It was like us and two other people in the back, so it didn't really feel. Good. We weren't kind of jammed in, but it's not just movie theaters. I mean, you take anybody paying attention to the Stanley Cup playoffs, for example. Yeah. You know, you see fifteen thousand <laughs> people crammed together. Yeah. Out now, outdoors, maybe it's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. 
And some people have said it has nothing to do with COVID. They just get anxiety seeing that many people crammed together anyway. And then packed hockey rinks. So um, the pandemic is not over. Uh, Mm -hmm. COVID still continues to affect. I mean, we were in the hospital over the weekend and uh, it's still uh, obvious. I mean, precautions in place, lots of screening and I mean, all the stuff you'd expect, obviously. Yeah in a hospital, but, but some people I think are, are sort of reinserting themselves back into somewhat of a quasi regular social routine. Yeah. Oh, I just remembered. I saw the Batman. I lied. I went and saw the Batman. You haven't seen <laughs> Top Gun yet. Hey, <laughs> Oh my God. The reviews for this all, every time I turn on the radio, someone's talking about Top Gun Maverick in a good way. Yeah. Like 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. Really? Like just reviews are through the roof. When a long time coming, it's got that nostalgia feel, right? For and sure. if you do it wrong, then we would know. It would be bad reviews, but they are incredible. So, yeah, I've got to go see that one. A buddy sure. of mine, uh, well, I'll name him. Um, no, I better not name him. Uh, well, I was just going to think because he's sponsoring our golf tournament. It was going to give me an opportunity. It was going to give me an inroad to plug the tournament again. Okay. Uh, but there's no need to do that. Yeah, there's no need to call him to the carpet. Um, you know, with regards to sort of shining a spotlight on his personal life. So we'll just say a buddy of mine. Um, he's in a new relationship, and oh. so this is this is kind of the phase of the relationship where you're just learning about one another. Mm-hmm. You're just learning what makes each other tick, uh, preferences, inclinations, and otherwise. And he was working hard for a date night to secure tickets. I think on opening night, he wanted to be there the, the premiere night because there were screenings at like at midnight the yeah. first night the Top Gun Maverick opened, and he People wanted to lined get up. two tickets to take his new girlfriend. And uh, she disclosed that she had not seen the original. And so this was kind of the first, yeah, your face, your your gasp, your your disbelief, your incredulous expression. Uh, he shared it, and, and he never uh, and so, saw her again. Well, no, and so here's the deal. So actually, she she's uh, I think impressed him with with her open mindedness to this. She said it's not necessarily that I won't see it. Uh, it just hadn't been on my radar, you know, no pun intended. And so he cooked her dinner. They watched the original Top Gun. There you go. And then now they're making plans to go to the theater to see Maverick. I was just going to say, if you go see Top Gun Maverick, I'm sure it's a great movie. I'm sure it's incredible. I'm sure the reviews are correct. But if you don't know all the nods to the original, you're not getting the full experience, right? You got to get that full experience. Because I'm sure, like, you know, Goose's son, there's all these sort of nods to the original. I. I'm going to see it. That's it. You can't see Maverick. You got me all hopped up. Yeah. Well, maybe we should go see it together. Hey, you got stuff to do, I was going to say, if I try to get away with it, it would have to be. (laughs) You go out to a movie with me? No, but if I go with you, if I go with you, it's a team meeting. I get it. So, what are you guys doing? Get back here. Yeah, you don't want to get you don't want to get on the bad side. I just dropped into the uh, live chat here. Tony says, wait, what is this they're talking about? Dilly bar shooters? Tony, you're going to have to be there on the 23rd of June at the Ranch Golf and Country Club. Jillian, don't blame her. Uh, when it comes to theater, says, I'm still waiting for the vaccine for under fives. Mm-hmm. And I know probably a lot of people will share that sentiment. And Justin, and I wouldn't have even thought of this, Justin. Thank you. He says, Top Gun Maverick was great, like in all caps. He says, I've seen it twice. IMAX is worth it for sure. Oh, for of sure. Of course. Oh, my gosh. I was saying to myself, there's no way, like our, our home theater system's like fine it's decent i'd give it like a five out of ten 
It, it's like not the worst, but it's definitely not the best. It's probably really good, but you're an audiophile. Like I could tell. So well, you just, want like the surround sound. You want the full immersive. Experience. I talked about neighbor Chad. Yeah. You know, earlier in the show, and he's 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 one of these guys that that his his like vinyl collection is wild. Everything's wild. His speakers are as tall as I am. Like he he's got one right. of these setups, right? And he came over to our house a while ago. This is one of the first things he ever said to me. And he looked at our system, our TV, our subwoofer and everything, and the amp. And, and he goes, you work in TV and this is your TV. And I was kind of like, ooh, okay. Okay, so I can do better. But I wouldn't have thought. So I knew that I was going to catch it in Top Gun Maverick in the theater, uh, not on my home system. But I wouldn't have thought IMAX. I'm a, I appreciate Justin putting that on a radar. That would be you got to do that. Next or VIP. Level. You got to, you got to, yeah. Now with like the reclining chairs oh, and the leather. You and... order the burger, you order the beer, you oh sit back, gosh. you fall asleep halfway through. Yeah, that's <laughs> the thing I worry about. I've slept through more movies, in the, although they're always the best sleep, right? In theaters. Oh my gosh. You wake up, I'm like, I was leaning over to Carrie. Was I snoring? She's like, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> and then there's Tracy who says, hey, here's a positive reflection. She says, I observed some very polite graduates celebrating high school grad at the legislature over the weekend, sharing compliments and encouraging one another. It was so good to see. Tracy, that's great, and I appreciate you sharing a ton of updates and posts from friends that saw their young ones grown into adults, it seems, overnight with the sentiments they're sharing all of a sudden 17, 18 years old and off to the next phase of their lives. That's Mm -hmm. your positive reflections. Ours is a little bit different over the weekend. Uh, you know, our friends at Kubi Energy, and I know that this is is maybe just me commandeering a segment that's intended for real talkers <laughs> to share their joy, but but forgive me this once, will you? I'm bursting. Our hearts are exploding at home. Uh, you can get your free solar quote today at kubienergy.ca, and every Monday, they present positive reflections. Oh, man. Real waiting. talkers. So abruptly on Thursday uh, morning of last week, we let you know that Real Talk was going, quote, off air for a couple of days. And that's because my amazing and beautiful and strong and powerful life partner and soulmate, Carrie Ann, felt the knocking at the door, so to speak. Someone was intent on introducing themselves to planet Earth. And so off we went to the Royal Alexandra Hospital, the lowest hole Hospital for Women, uh, the amazing nursing staff, the obstetrics staff, uh, I mean, obviously, the healthcare professionals that have been through so much over the past couple of years, though you'd never know it. Uh, absolutely remarkable. And uh, I can tell you that we were in there at about nine in the morning on Thursday. Uh, the little one, not quite ready yet. And so through the day, we saw the signs that this little one was getting set to join our family we didn't know little boy or little girl we had no idea we didn't want to find out we figured that this is one of life's great surprises and i'm really excited to let you know that at 10:46 p.m on june 2nd i'm getting chills if you're listening to this on the podcast you have to check out the youtube version of this or of course you can check out mine and carrie's instagram little noah orville jesperson introduced himself to the clan Big Brother Wyatt, canine siblings Moses and Monroe, and Mommy and Daddy all absolutely smitten with this little guy. Six pounds, eight ounces. I mixed it up a little bit on my announcements to some of my close pals, and I was saying eight pounds, six ounces, and then all their wives and girlfriends started texting Carrie being like, are you okay? (laughs) 
She's going Ryan. Six eight. Six, not eight he's, six. Six eight. He's little. This is our doula Tia Biggs uh, behind the camera doing just an absolutely unbelievable job. Look at those little feet. This guy is just tiny and having such a huge impact on our lives. Uh, both mom and baby are doing amazing as Noah figures out life. You know, nursing and sleeping and dealing with all the noise of a busy household. We're so absolutely thrilled to welcome this little fella, and we appreciate all of your kind comments. I dropped in on our Real Talk email inbox over the weekend, and of course, there you were, Real Talkers, sending us well wishes. You've been so kind on our our Instagram and uh, Twitter posts, Facebook as well, of course. You can find us there. Just wanted to say thank you from the bottom of our hearts for sharing in our joy. It's been a long road to get here. You know, Wyatt's getting set to turn seven and so there's this beautiful age gap, which means that Wyatt's going to be a great little helper around the house. We didn't plan on waiting six and a half years in between, but that's the way that the universe plotted it out for us. And so we appreciate you feeling our joy along with us. And again, to the staff, the nurses, the doctors, uh, the entire team, the porters, the security guards who were absolutely incredible at the Royal Alex and to healthcare workers everywhere. You're taken for granted. You are. People come in there, and of course, when we're at the hospital, our world is all we're thinking about. But I looked around and just wanted to take this moment to let you know how grateful we are for everything that you bring to the table. You can share your positive reflection with us here on the show by sending us an email. It's presented, as mentioned, every week by our friends at Kubi Energy. Coming up tomorrow on the show, I want to give you details, but I really can't, except to let you know that there's going to be a... United Conservative Party leadership announcement. And you're going to hear it here first on Real Talk. In the meantime, make it a great Monday, friends. We'll talk to you soon. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson. Executive producer, Josh Dunford. Technical producer, John Hicks. General manager, Katie Cook-Shivers. Account Coordinator, Lauren Sterlego. Human Resources, Lena Shepard. Website Design, Mike Johnston. VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's Editorial Board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandy Morin, Ann Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Salto, and Nakota Sioux, home to Métis Settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is the flagship property of Relay Communications Group Incorporated. All rights reserved. For more, check out ryanjesperson.com.